Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms now wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning again. It's hour two of mornings with Carmen on this Taste and See Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. If you're not cooking. Yeah, it's probably time. It's probably time. Uh, we talked uh, in the earlier hour about uh, Paul Perot's very new yummy. favorite, very yummy, new favorite recipe for wild rice cranberry bread. So if you missed that, you can go back and listen um, later today at MyFaithRadio.com. You can get the recipe in the show notes, which will be posted later today as well, or wherever you get your podcast. So subscribe to the podcast. It comes every single day with all kinds of notes, which include all the links to articles that we discuss here, guests that we talk with, and recipes. Mm-hmm. Recipes. There you go. I don't know. There you go. It might just be the reason that people subscribe to the podcast now, because every once in a while, Carmen and Paul give out a recipe. Um, are you familiar with The View? It is a television program. Uh, several women um, sit around, discuss the headlines of the day in front of a live audience. I would describe it as dominated by strong liberal voices. Um, They make no secret of their disdain for people of convictional Christian faith. There is always a token Christian on the view, but uh, highlight the word token there. So yesterday, um, maybe very, very predictably, one of the things that they discussed on the view was the shooting over the weekend at a bar in Colorado Springs. Um, That bar identifies itself as serving expressly gay and transgender clientele. Um, And everyone, everyone, everyone condemns the shooting. Everyone. Somehow the discussion yesterday on The View turned toward Christians. And then one of the co-hosts, Sonny Hostin, opined, apparently not for the first time on the show, um, that, quote, Jesus would be the grand marshal of a pride parade. So let's just pause there. Let's just pause there. Now, we're going to pause longer than anyone at The View paused to actually consider whether or not this statement, Jesus would be the grand marshal of a pride parade, um, was worthy of consideration, particularly by a group of people, many of whom do not consider themselves Jesus followers. So maybe the Jesus followers should have an opportunity to consider whether or not Jesus would, in fact, serve as the grand marshal of a pride parade in America today. What do you think? What do you think? Well, let's start with pride. What does the Bible say about pride? Pride is considered a virtue or a vice. Is it godly or ungodly? Pride in the Bible. How does Jesus feel about pride? What does he say about it? Pride is literally the mother of all sins. It's the progenitor of every other sin. Sin um, in which other sins take root and grow. And only the Lord can uproot pride from a human heart. Read the book of Proverbs and look and Psalms and look for the word pride. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. That is Proverbs 16.5. Pride goes before the fall. The wicked, um, through the pride of their countenance, do not seek after God. 
God is not in the thoughts of the proud. Um, I mean, I, I mean, it's it, yeah. Pride surrounds a person like a chain. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance. These are the evil way. Um, these are things I hate, says the Lord. I mean, that's Proverbs eight thirteen. I guess when you just consider pride for just a moment, you would say to yourself, yeah, I don't think Jesus would be leading a pride parade. Pride is a sin that God hates, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. And why is that? Well, because pride is the sin that hates God. Suffice it to say, if you understand what pride really is, Jesus would not be the grand marshal at a celebration of it, alone leading a parade of people who are captives to pride. So, in the context of a pride parade, what exactly, those are capital letters, pride parade, what exactly is the pride being paraded? Well, it's pride and sexual license. So, if you are going to find a way to argue that Jesus would lead a pride parade, would he lead this particular kind of pride parade? What does the Bible say about sexual purity? What does Jesus affirm about God's design for sexuality? I'm going to direct you here to Matthew 19 and Genesis 2. So if we can agree that Jesus does not affirm pride or the parading of sexual anarchy, let's answer the question, would Jesus lead a parade at all? Did you ever see Jesus parading around? Well, maybe the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. But that's on a donkey. And that is for a purpose. And where did that lead? Most often, Jesus talks about going places that we cannot follow, but that one day we will. There was a parade to a place called Calvary. Nobody wanted to follow Jesus there in that parade, where, it's important to note, he bore the sin of pride upon the cross. You want to know what kind of parade Jesus is going to lead? Well, he's the captain of the Lord's army. Paul talks a little bit about it in 2 Corinthians 2.14. There is a triumphal parade that Jesus does lead, that he is the victor over sin and death. And we who follow after him are an aroma to the world. It's the stench of death to those who are perishing, but it's the aroma of life to those who understand who Jesus is and the purpose for which he lived and died. Would Jesus be the grand marshal of a pride parade? No. But he is leading a parade right now. Are you following him? Dr. Brett Nix joins us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. After my eyes have seen the years and the slow parade of fears without Christ. Dr. Brett Nix is back from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Carmen. Are you excited about Thanksgiving or what? I can't wait. I'm totally excited about Thanksgiving. Uh, we're having a Thanksgiving meal tomorrow with one group and Thursday with another group. It's going to be, you know, the ongoing parade. So uh, you and I are going to talk. Wonderful. We're going to talk about, should we talk quickly about uh, the meal and tryptophan and calories and, or should we just leave it alone? <laughs> Yeah, you just leave that one alone, although I can add a recipe if you want, a great recipe for a chocolate pecan pie, uh, and that will put you over the top. Yes. 
Off the top of your head, very, chocolate pecan pie, or are you going to send it to us? It's very simple. I can tell you right now, uh, if you like to get a, a deep dish pie crust, if you don't want to make your own, but a deep dish pie crust, three quarters cup of granulated sugar, three quarters cup of light caro syrup, uh, three eggs, a splash of vanilla, and you whip all of that together and you pour that in the pie crust. You layer it then with chocolate chips. You take two to four tablespoons of butter, depending on how much you like. You melt that and pour that across to help to start the chocolate to melt. You layer pecans across the top, and then you put it in the oven at 400 for the first 20 minutes, and then you turn it down, and you just keep cooking it until it settles. And that'll take about 40 minutes, 45 minutes. It is unbelievable. Are you doing this off the top of your head? Yeah, it's something I make every year. And I'm working in the emergency department uh, tomorrow and then nights through the weekend. And so I will bring a pie in each shift. <gasps> I love that. I love the idea of taking a pie to people that are working um, in the ER or in other places where they're going to be working over this holiday weekend. And I love that you did that off the top of your head because that that really shows that it's like a recipe in your heart. Like, I love that. So thank you. All right. Um, yes. And for those of you wondering, um, yes, I will go back and listen to the audio and add the recipe into the show notes. <laughs> later today. Um, talk with us about what's going on right now. I mean, our schools uh, announced yesterday afternoon they were going to be closed. Um, we were already going to be closed Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, but they're also now closed today because so many kids and teachers um, out sick. Talk with us about what's going on yeah. at this intersection of RSV, the flu, and COVID. Yeah, we talked about it before. It's the perfect storm. And it's interesting. Uh, the northern states have been a little delayed in the process. Here down, I'm in North Carolina. We really hit a major peak very early with RSV, late September and October. We had a lot of flu uh, in the last couple of weeks as well, but we're actually seeing a little bit of a drop. The challenge, however, is if you look at the symptoms, goodness gracious, the flu, RSV. Now, RSV typically focused on younger kids, uh, especially the, the young, um, and then we still have COVID in the mix. And so a lot of overlap in symptoms, a lot of uh, similarities. And anytime uh, the weather starts to change, it starts to get colder and people getting closer uh, approximation of each other, you see spread. And so, you know, that's a, a great challenge right now. And really that leads into the conversation, right? People say, well, what do we do for Thanksgiving? What should this look like this year? And quite honest, it should look no different than any other year, uh, whether this is the COVID window or not. If you're going to your grandparents' house or somebody who is at risk, who has immune compromised state, maybe under cancer therapy, uh, maybe some other underlying illness, uh, if you have symptoms, it's probably best that you just don't go. Um, and that's no fun. Uh, that being said, if you are a family and you're getting together with lots of other families, uh, the typical things hold true, which is uh, wash your hands frequently. Recognize that if uh, you have a sniffle, you have a small upper respiratory infection, that's probably the only time that wearing a mask may make sense because what it does, it prevents you from touching your face and then touching other things. Uh, if you're preparing your house for people that are coming over, Go the extra step just to go ahead and disinfect your countertops. Wash the most important thing are the, the door handles that people never think about cleaning. Uh, the ones to your to your uh, your refrigerator, your pantry, your bathroom that people will be using. Uh, and the, the common sense approach, washing hands as stated before uh, and making sure uh, that when you're looking at serving food, sometimes it's best if you want to and have a family sitting around the table to have somebody who has maybe the meat or something else walk around and serve people. Uh, so that way, the, the same utensil is not being used over and over and over. Those are just standard things that you would see uh, performed at a restaurant, if you will. Uh, and those are the reasons why we end up decreasing our associated risk. But that being said, yes, the flu is out there. RSV is out there. Uh, and again, COVID is out there. So precautions, these are all viruses. And we know how to prevent spreading viruses. 
Okay, I love the idea about the utensil that I hadn't thought about the serving utensil. So that is a really that is a really good one and good thing to highlight. Um, new new thinking there for me. Um, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Brett Nix here in just a moment. Hey, red meat eaters out there, mm-hmm. we might have we might have just a tinge of good news. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do every morning on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. I don't want you to miss any of it. So check out the free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. One of the things I would like for you to consider is becoming a Faith Radio ambassador. We talk about walking our faith out into the world that God, that God so loves and doing so in ways that honor Jesus, well, that's because we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You can become a Faith Radio ambassador today and help us get the word out to others about this and other programs on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, We will supply everything that you need to share with others, and you can sign up to be a Faith Radio ambassador at MyFaithRadio.com. All I can do is thank you for this life I never deserved. All right, uh, Dr. Brett Nix is here. Um, what we got? Do we have any any good news related to red meat? I tell you what, it's fascinating, isn't it? How many of us have heard throughout our lives that if you eat too much red meat, you're at risk for what? For heart disease, for stroke, maybe even cancer. And this is what has become common knowledge. And all of us say, okay, well, that must have been very, very well studied. What's fascinating, Carmen, is uh, in an unprecedented effort recently. My former alma mater, where I went to medical school, the University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, said, hey, let's just take a look at the data that's out there and say, is this true? Is what they're saying about this true? uh, Or where did this really come from? And when they they looked at all that data that was out there, what they said was the vast majority of the studies, number one, uh, were, were not the typical high quality retrospective studies that you're looking at. It was just basically people reporting, well, this is what I ate. Let me ask you the question. How many people can sit down and tell you what you ate all last week exactly? Uh, And so the quality of the studies were bad. And then the difference between those who reported having red meat versus those who did not, the difference between outcomes was, again, not significant. And so what's fascinating about this is when they look at the data, what they ended up identifying was that, hey, those who are eating more red meat eat less of what? Vegetables. Vegetables. And they said... Yeah, it's exactly right. The leafy greens, the, your carrots, and the things that have the beta carotenes and the phytocarotenes and all of the different things that we know is good for our heart health, but more importantly, our colon health. How often do we hear about red meat and colon cancer was the big one that we heard about. And what they ended up identifying was that, hey, you know what? The studies are really quite poor. Uh, and so in, in, in all of the data that's on there, it may very well be that in these cohorts, it's not the amount of red meat per se. It's the lack of vegetables uh, that go along with their normal diet. And so when you look at this, again, what do we know to be true? I'm not saying that, hey, you know what? You can go out and have a porterhouse steak every day of your life for the rest of your life and you'll be fine. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is probably two different things. The first is we are talking about unprocessed red meat. That is not uh, a bunch of blended up meats. That is not um, you know the different types of things that you can buy in the store. This is going out and buying unprocessed red meat. Number one. Number two, if you're having red meat, that's great. Have it in moderation, but make sure that you're eating healthy, that you're having your vegetables, that you're having the things that you know to be healthy uh, for your heart, for your brain, and for your body. Really amazing work that they've done. 
Uh, and I think there's going to be more to come as it relates to this. Okay. And then we're also, um, we're going to take a walk. Let's take a walk um, Thanksgiving Day. Let's take a walk over Thanksgiving weekend. Encourage, uh, encourage us to exercise and how it relates to the holidays. Yeah, you know what? I've, uh, I've been watching this, and you and I have talked about this to some degree already. Uh, I've been watching some studies here over the last year, uh, some out of uh, Sweden, some out of the UK, some historically in the US. And there's a balancing act of so many things that we just maybe just take for granted, but maybe don't think about. The first is a leisurely stroll is pleasant because it gets you outdoors and it helps to decrease anxiety and allows your mind to be free. Uh, we know that 10 minutes walking through the woods or around trees uh, is incredibly helpful for us. And we saw this specifically in the COVID window. Uh, but a brisk walk, one that is intentional, where you're moving somewhere, where the step cadence is a little bit faster, is so much better for your body, not just from a cardiovascular perspective, but really we're talking about memory. We're talking about things of decreasing dementia by almost 50%. We're talking about the ability for your brain to create uh, the neurotransmitters and the hormones that you need to go ahead and change your attitude. Because how many people struggle with anxiety and, and depression during the holiday seasons? And when we look at the things that we can do each day, going for an intentional walk, uh, being out in God's creation, uh, and doing so with intent, being purposeful about our emotions. Um, yes, it still means that you can stop and, and enjoy a, a, a vista. You know, again, we're not going to be finding roses this time of year. Uh, but to be able to stop and watch the squirrels, watch animals move, that's wonderful. But then when you pick up your pace, pick up your pace with intention. That can be said the same when you're at home doing chores and different activities. All of these things are how God created our bodies to go ahead and address the challenges that life will present itself. Thanksgiving is an example when we eat to make sure that we balance out our intake and our output. Uh, but more importantly, the challenges that come with it come with tremendous times for praise and thanksgiving. Uh, and I'll tell you what, one of the things that I think I challenge people most with is when you're doing these things, recognize that when you're thankful, that's a, that, that, it, that is a, a heart posture and gratitude, but that should lead to praise to God. That is what the celebration of thanksgiving is. You're thankful for what? The things that God has given to you, the op opportunities that you have, the family that you have. Uh, and this is an opportunity that we should be doing every day, not just one day a year. All right. And then when we think about, um, you know, heading to the doctor or the emergency room or um, getting a prescription from our doctor and heading to the to um, the, the drugstore to fill it, um, you've got a drug shortage um, thing to share with us here. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because I, I don't want to mess it up. Yeah. So there's well, I'll be honest with you, ever since COVID came around with our uh, our supply chain challenges, there's tremendous amounts of drug shortages. And we see this every day. And even when I go in the emergency department, the medicines that I might normally routinely take care of with you when you're having heart issues or other issues, I may not have that day. So I have to use an alternative or find something else. Now, the amazing thing is we have really broad pharmacology and, and the ability for that. The one that you and I were talking about uh, in, in preparation with this is a medication called Ozembic. Uh, and there's, these are medications that are classically used for type 2 diabetics. And these are ones who have mm. not been able to regulate their glucose, their sugar, with weight and exercise alone. And so this is a medicine that then triggers the pancreas to increase the insulin level. And insulin is what takes the blood sugar from the bloodstream and brings it into the cells of the body. So it helps to regulate that blood sugar. Well, what's fascinating about this is uh, the certain types of class of drugs in this space, uh, FDA approved for also for patients with severe, severe obesity. And part of it is because they have a side effect that slows down the, the, uh, the movement of food once it enters the stomach to exit the stomach. Well, let's think about that. 
if I have food in my stomach that's not exiting quickly, then my stomach says to my brain, I'm full. And so therefore it curbs appetite, appetite. It decreases intake in that regard. And for people with severe obesity, they've done very well with weight loss in this space. The reason for uh, a shortage of this medication is because there's off-label use for people who say, well, I'm not a diabetic, but I like the side effects of this and I want to lose weight and people have been successful with it. That and supply chain challenges have left people who need this medication on a routine basis, sometimes standing in line waiting for the next, the next uh, shipment to arrive. Uh, and it has created a problem wow. where we shift back to other medications. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, supply chain challenges are very real and people may not recognize that. Um, uh, but it is very real in healthcare and has presented significant challenges over the last couple of years. Uh, this is just another example of a medication that is, is used in this space, uh, but because it's successful in other areas, uh, off-label use sometimes digs into the space where people need it every day. So keep that in mind when you're getting a prescription. Uh, sometimes it may not be available. Ask your doctor, hey, if this is not available, what alternatives are there going to be and should I be aware of those? Uh, certainly something to be aware of when you have a conversation with your physician, especially when you're going on a new medication. Brett, um, we're so thankful for you and the others who um, serve us so admirably. Please pass along our appreciation and gratitude to everybody serving in the ER on this Thanksgiving week and weekend. You guys can connect directly with Dr. Nix at brettnixmd.com. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Carmen. Talk to you soon. (laughs) Talk to you soon. All right, we're going to get that pie recipe uh, loaded into the notes for today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. a lot of conversations uh, hopefully this Thanksgiving week and maybe you're going to spend some time with uh, people you haven't seen in a while or people you're meeting for the first time. I'm really encouraging us to ask good questions, deep questions, um, probing questions, um, and to not be um, pushers. Don't don't be a food pusher this week. Don't be an alcohol pusher. Don't don't be a pusher. Be a uh, person who invites people into deep conversation and ask them questions because you just might you just might discover like the most interesting person you've ever met. So um, Lisa Boucher is going to join us next. What if I told you that, well, at one point in time, she was a flight attendant. Well, she was also a hairdresser. She's been a bartender. She rides horses. She's a registered nurse. For the past 27 years, she's worked with hundreds of women to help them overcome alcoholism, live better lives, and become better parents. She's an award-winning author. She's the mother of twins. She lives in Ohio. What else might we discover by spending a little time with Lisa Boucher? The book is Pray, Trust, Ride. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Lisa Boucher is joining us. I feel very confident she is the kind of, uh, of woman we would like to hang out with, um, not just for a day, but probably for more than a day. Lisa, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thank you for having me. Happy to be I here. Totally, I totally, totally, totally want to go horseback riding with you, or at least come oh. smell their faces and pet their necks. Yes, yes. It's the best, the best place to be is with the horse. I mean, don't you don't you feel like every like inside every woman there is the little girl that really just wants to be with a horse? 
I think so. I think they are the most therapeutic healing. Between, uh, I don't know, a horse and a dog. Those are my two go-to mm-hmm. animals. So mm-hmm. love them both to death. I love, love, love being with the horses. Okay, so, so take us into your take us into your world briefly. Tell us about um, a couple of horses and maybe a dog. Okay, so I think my first love and my greatest love of my life was my quarter horse Sham that I talk mm-hmm. about in my book. Um, he was abused, and the horse people had written him off and said he was no good. And I'm this young child, 14, 12, 14, when I got him. And um, I could I could not even get the saddle on him. And with help, I broke that horse, and he became my most trusted friend. And I think I was his most trusted friend. That horse, there was nothing he would not do for me, but he, he never liked men. So any... any males that came around one time I was at school and there was a a girl who was gonna we used to work together with the horses the vet was coming while I was at school and Sham took off because he was scared to death and didn't trust that you know she was gonna protect him when I was with him he would stand there like an angel to get his shots or whatever so we had a deep deep bond that I don't know that I have replaced um, in my life. And in all honesty, Mm. I volunteer now with horses at different places because I just miss the smell and I miss the being around them. And that's why I still go on these cattle drives to reconnect with. And I was amazed. I went out in Montana riding for a week in August and I was very teary by the end of the week. I didn't want to leave. I was shocked at how easily I can bond with a horse and I really hated to leave. And I was getting almost territorial. Like, I don't want anyone else to ride this horse. It was Coon was his name that I rode all week. So I think that ability, they're they're just very sensitive, intuitive animals. And I think that's what I appreciate so much about a horse. Yeah, it's and that comes out. That comes out in the book. Um, the book is Pray, Trust, Ride, Lessons of Surrender from a Cowgirl and a King. Who is the king in the book? Because I, uh, you know, when I read the title, I'm thinking, huh, cowgirl and a king. I'm thinking the king is Jesus. But the king is uh, Jehoshaphat. What What are you right. uh, What are you leaning on there when you um, consider the story of King Jehoshaphat? I am leaning on mostly the last line in the prayer of Jehoshaphat that says, in your hand is power and might, and no one can withstand you. So obviously he is talking about God, but that I didn't even know there was a prayer of Jehoshaphat. And when I stumbled over it, something just really clicked because of that line in particular that Mm. I don't know about the rest of you all, but I forget that sometimes. And I take back these problems and these things that I can't control, like, you know, with my adult sons or things that we worry about. And I have to constantly remind myself that, you know, God loves them too. And I've got to let go when we are powerless over these things in our life, especially other people, places, things, we cannot control them. We can control our reaction. We can control what we decide to do and think and whatnot. But um, that prayer just really spoke to me. And so then I opened the book with a scene from literally letting go of the reins when I was on my horse sham and we were caught in a vicious thunderstorm. (coughs) Pardon me. Um, 
And I literally had to let go of the reins and let him get us home because I could not see. And so riding blindly with the trust that this horse who I, I knew would get me back, that's how I want my faith to be. I want my faith in God to be as strong as, you know, stronger than I had as a child on the back of that horse where I knew he would get me home. And so I think it helps give people a visual of where we can aspire to take our relationship with God. And that is total trust. Yeah. When you're, um, when you're letting go, you're letting go um, into the resources and the authority, the goodness and the grace of a God who, you know, loves you. So we're going to continue our conversation with Lisa Boucher here. The book is Pray, Trust, Ride, Lessons of Surrender from a Cowgirl and a King. I think Lisa, you know, letting go um, is a can be a very misunderstood concept. The letting go that you're talking about is really the letting go um, of trusting the other to get you home, to trusting the other, and the other, you know, here being the goodness and the grace of God, using your horse Sham as a, um, you know, as an exemplar of that. Talk with us a little bit. Um, this is the writing lesson part of the uh, of the story. Talk with us about riding with a loose rein. Well, I think in the Bible, Jesus says we wear the world like a, a loose garment. So we mm. also can ride with a loose rein through life. Again, it goes back to we can't control the uncontrollable. We cannot push the river. And I relate it back to life on the trail where there were many times out there moving cattle where you come to a raging river and you have no choice but to go through it, give the horse a very loose rein because they need need their resources to get through these difficult terrain and, and just let go. And so I wanted, um, you know, letting go, though, doesn't mean we we don't do anything. And I think people get confused with that, that it doesn't mean it's kind of like um, St. Francis said, we pray, but pick up the hoe. So we mm -hmm. have to do our part and do you know, the footwork and do the next right thing, but we cannot plan the outcome. We can't plan the results. Um, just like this radio interview, I can't plan how people will hear the message. Um, these are things that are in God's control and everybody mm -hmm. has a different perspective and everybody comes to the situation from a different place in life. And it's based on their experiences past and, and whatnot. So these are the uncontrollables, the intangibles that we are never going to be able to micromanage. And yet I see so many people doing that and, and then getting extremely frustrated or anxious or despondent because they continue to try to control the uncontrollable. Mm, that's so good. Um, Lisa, when you're um, when you're approaching that raging river and you're on the back of that horse and you know you're going to give the horse his head, you're going to trust the horse to 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 make its way across with you on board. You're you're loosening um, you're you're loosening the reins, but you are gripping hard with your legs and your core. Right. I mean, there's a hold on tight involved in letting go. 
Absolutely. And I'll tell you, um, the one that comes to mind that I talk about in the book, we were going downhill into a raging river and then coming up. So Mm -hmm. I am pushing with all my might against the stirrups, leaning back so I don't flop over the front of this horse. So yeah, I'm actively engaged in the process while letting go and letting the horse do his thing. I seem to get along great with geldings over mares. I don't know what what is is about that, but I seem to always be on the back of a gelding. Um, But yeah, so we have to let, and, and you can translate that to life that we can give direction to those we love, like our grown children, but we can try to steer them a little bit, but then we have to let go because they have their own minds and will. And and the worst thing we can ever do is force our will on another human being or an animal. I would never force my will on a horse. I try to get that horse to do what I want it to do in a loving way where it wants to respond to me as other than a forceful way where it's responding out of fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. I don't like to be motivated out of fear. Yeah. Amen. We're, uh, we're talking with Lisa Boucher. You can connect with her at her author website, lisaboucherauthor.com. She's also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When we come back, I'm going to ask her a Thanksgiving question about one of her prior books. Um, she's a, she's a six-time um, author, and we're talking today about her newest book, Pray, Trust, Ride. But I want to reach back and ask uh, Lisa a question about raising the bottom. As we approach Thanksgiving, how do we make mindful choices in a drinking culture? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Lisa Boucher. She has a, a really rich backstory. Um, lots of, um, well, there's a lot on the trail. There's a lot on the trail of her life. And I encourage you to check out all that she has written, um, including her latest book, which is Pray, Trust, Ride, Lessons of Surrender from a Cowgirl and a King. Lisa, one of your prior books is Raising the Bottom, um, Making Mindful Choices in a Drinking Culture. I was thinking that in this week of Thanksgiving and in the lead up to the holiday season, it might be good to revisit this topic. I think so. (laughs) We live in a boozy culture, and you, you were, I think you alluded to it, um, before we started, and I heard you say that when people say no, we need to honor that. And really, that's what we can do over Thanksgiving with people. You know, you don't know who's coming. I mean, for some people, it's a just family, but others, there's other guests. And when people decline a cocktail, it is very um, disturbing to see how people don't take no for an answer. And I think that's one way we can be mindful. If someone is declining a cocktail, just 
move on. And, and we don't as adults, why, you know, you would not push a diabetic to eat that cupcake. Why do people continuously question when someone declines a cocktail? We could start. Okay, and there. yet, and yet the pushers, the pushers, the food pushers definitely want the diabetic to eat the cupcake. Like there's a, some sort of like sadistic pushing in our culture. That's not just related to alcohol. It is related to food and other things as well. I, I love your approach. I, I really appreciate that you let um, all of these different women share their stories of why they drank in raising the bottom, um, how they stopped um, the, the joy they rediscovered in living in the present moment um, and the, the ongoing challenge that it is in a drinking culture, like where, you know, for some reason we think that, um, you know, if you're going to have a book club, there also have to be drinks or like whatever. Like those two things do not have to come together. Um, they do not have to be offered um, together. I, I, and so I just I want to highlight this and lift this up and give you an opportunity to um, make an appeal to individuals to, you know, have an alcohol-free holiday. Um, it's not, we don't need a crutch. We don't need a drink. And if you do need a drink, then you need help. That's exactly right. Um, it, it's just so embedded in our culture, though, that I believe there are people that if they did not serve alcohol at their Thanksgiving, there are family members who would not come. And people, I think, feel obligated to offer it. And we need a whole shift in our culture that if you really think about it, alcohol is the most widely abused drug in the world. It is also a class one carcinogen, and people don't understand that, that it, it has been proven 100% to cause cancer. But there's very little talk about that. So you're literally pushing a poison and our culture pushes a poison. It even like blows my mind that the cancer society has these big galas and then has all this alcohol flowing, one of the substances that caused the cancer in the first place. I mean, the total disconnect in our culture is stunning. And I think if you really look at it, the family arguments, the when things start going south, nine times out of 10, it's because someone's inebriated, takes things the wrong way, tempers flare. It rarely brings unity. It might for that first 30 minutes. And then after that, it can cause a lot of division in families. And I know there are listeners who are going, yep, 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 because, you know, Uncle Billy drank too much and then the whole Thanksgiving went south. So we can be more mindful. And I know in Raising the Bottom, I talk to people who they say 80% of alcoholics are employed and have families. And so I wanted to address the people that are functioning and their lives consist of going to work and coming home and opening the wine and it's just alcohol, alcohol. But because they are functioning, they haven't lost anything. They don't have a DUI. That's how I was when I quit drinking I, in my late 20s. I've been sober for 33 years and I did not, I had a very, we call it high bottom. Nothing really went mm. south other than internally I was crashing. Um, but I think people still have this stigma and this picture that unless they're falling down drunk, that they can't qualify as having a drinking problem. And so I wanted to shed light. And there are a lot of nurses and doctors and moms and people in the book that you would never look at as an alcoholic. 
We have a uh, we have a text line uh, that's open during the show, Lisa, and so folks are texting in right now at 877-933-2484. And one friend texted in and says, oh, thank you so much for bringing uh, Lisa Boucher on the show. I just bought her book. I'm going through a loosening and releasing um, the reins with my 25-year-old son. It's not easy, um, so thank you for the help. So there you go. Lisa, you have come alongside um you know, more than one today, but at least this one who's come forward and said, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and then lots of folks on this um, uh, on this topic and said, what about Thanksgiving mocktails? Uh, you know, can we can we have can we have, uh, you know, can we have drinks that, you know, sort of give a nod to the to the fun um, without having alcohol in them? I, that's not a bad idea. I don't I don't I mind that. I, I think like, that's like sparkling idea. cider. Sparkling cider is a thing at our house, right? It's not it's not yeah. fermented, but it's it's you know it's sparkly and you get to pop the top. Yeah, that's fun. I think that's fabulous. I was working with a she's a doctor in recovery and she was trying to get sober. This is years ago. And I ended up having a mocktail party because she was she was so like she used to be a wine taster and that was her social life. And she thought she was never going to have fun anymore. So Uh I had a mocktail party. Everybody wore cocktail attire. We had great food and not a drop of alcohol. And she's still sober 16 years later, by the way. And she was like, oh my God, that was her first experience of having fun without alcohol. It is possible. And I think it's a fabulous idea. There's a lot of new beverages out there that are festive and beautiful and you can get recipes and you can have all the fun of sipping something pretty without the drama of what happens when your prefrontal cortex is shut down by the alcohol. And that is the higher reasoning part of our brain that is greatly impacted by alcohol. All right, I'm adding mocktails to my um, to my plan because I just Googled it and Southern Living has 31 non-alcoholic Thanksgiving drinks and mocktails everyone will be thankful for. So there you go. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. Lisa, um, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. What a delight to connect with you. I want to invite you to connect with Lisa at her website, lisaboucherauthor.com. Boucher is B-O-U-C-H-E-R. LisaBoucherAuthor.com. All the links will be in the show notes um, when today's uh, live program is posted as a podcast. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. All right, we'll be right back. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna toss in the dressing recipe before we close out today's Tasty Tuesday show on this Thanksgiving week. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. here um my mom's dressing recipe one chopped onion one or two cups of chopped celery four beaten eggs one package of sage sausage you know bulk sausage two bags of uh, petridge farm herb stuffing mix one can of mushrooms do not drain them um, and one or two boxes of turkey stock so here's the thing you mix all the ingredients together and you add the stock um, until it becomes like packable but not wet you butter the pan you pack it all in um, and then you soak it down Um, with the turkey stock until it's visibly wet, right? You want this to be juicy. You're going to bake it in a 350-ish degree oven, depending on, you know, how much oven space you have and at what temperature. For at least two hours, it may take longer. I bake mine covered for the first hour and a half and then uncover it for the last 30 minutes because I like a little bit of a crispy edge. 
So there you go. Mm -hmm. And you want to make a lot because you want to have leftovers that you can then turn into stuffing waffles on the next day. I know. I know. And no, you don't stuff it. It's not stuffing. You're not stuffing it in a bird. Um, It's dressing. It's in a pan. Much healthier and better way to have it. All right. That's it on this Taste and See Tuesday edition of Mornings with Carmen during Thanksgiving week. All of the information links, you know, da-da-da-da-da, in the show notes later today at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you get your podcast. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.